many of us, we just need to go back and start reading the Gospels again. Everything you see Jesus do, you need to do the same thing. When Jesus says, hey, I want you to love your enemy, we should just try that. When Jesus says, I want you to pray for those people who say mean things about you, we think we should try that. When Jesus says, listen, oh, there's poor people, feed them, we should try that. See, what happens is, is we know he says these things, but we don't choose to observe them, to live them out. And I believe that that's one of the biggest things that we're missing all the time. And I, I say we, including me. If you have an interest in ministering to a certain group of people, a calling to work with children or overseas, don't hesitate to jump in and do God's work. We're called to make disciples and that encompasses everyone. Pastor Daniel addresses why we should live out his commandments and it all springs out of our love for him. We can live out of what Jesus did. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, with his continuing study entitled, All Called Out. Jesus is real. Authority over all industry and business and finance and currency. Authority over all entertainment and amusement and leisure and media over all education and research and science and discovery. Authority over all crime and violence over all families and neighborhoods and over the church and over every soul and every moment of every life that has ever been or ever will be lived. Now, you got to be a little OCD to write all that out, I think. (laughs) But I'm grateful he did. Because you know what? Jesus does have all authority over all these things and a lot of things he failed to mention as well. This is why Jesus is the centerpiece of the human race. This is why. Because he has authority over all of it. Now, I know someone's going to say, okay, well, if Jesus has authority, then why did this happen to me? And I'm here to tell you, I don't know. But you should ask him. And I don't mean that in a obnoxious way. I mean that in a very real way. Because what you find in the Bible, like things like Romans 8.28, where that we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, when things go wrong, I never want someone to quote me that verse. But what I have found in my life is that when you bring your brokenness to Jesus and say, I don't understand, Jesus begins to reveal what he is doing to you. And then the areas of your greatest pain become the context for the most glorious opportunities to worship him. Because he has authority. He is in control over all of these things. And it's interesting, before we can talk about the work of the church, Jesus reminds him that he has authority over it all. That nothing will ever happen to you or me in the cause of the gospel that Jesus does not reign over. And that frees us up, doesn't it? That frees us up from thinking that happenstance or someone else's bad decisions can thwart the work of the Almighty God. 
Now look at the work that we get here. And it really, it's verses 19 and the beginning of verse 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Now, I once heard a, a Bible interpreter say, you want to learn about God, follow the verbs. Why? Because God is in action. He is in action. Does that make sense? He's not an action. He is in action. And so in this great commission here, you have these four verbs. You have the word go. You have the word make disciples. You have the word baptizing. And then you have the word teaching. Now, if you were to pull out your Greek New Testament, and I know all of you guys roll to church that way, you would find that one verb is the imperative and there are three subordinate clauses or participles. So I know all of you who studied uh, English language, if you remember being hooked on phonics back in the day, one thing is the main point and then there are three things that undergird the main point. Now, which one is the main point here? Most of us would say go, right? Because you guys know the first thing in the sentence is always the main point, but that's not the way Greek works. So sorry, eh. Hey, man, we all make mistakes. That's why we believe in Jesus, right? You know what the imperative is in here? It's make disciples. So what this teaches is that we make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. Make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. This is the mission of the church of Jesus Christ, that we make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. Now, as you break these four ideas down, you realize that the reason I come back to this every single month of my own life is if I'm not careful, when was the last time you said, the goal of my life is to make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching? Anybody? No. That's right. All of us need that to be the driving principle of our lives, each one of us individually and us collectively as a church. This is Jesus' mission for us, that we make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. That's what we do. That's what he told us to do. So the driving principle, the imperative is that we make disciples, right? So what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner or a follower of Jesus, our job, your job and my job, and all of God's people's job is to connect people with Jesus. That's our job. We connect people with Jesus. We do not want to connect people to us or to even our church. We want to connect them with Jesus. And what I believe is that each one of you is connected to Jesus and we get to follow Jesus together. That's what a local church is. It's people who collectively are connected to Jesus who are all walking together, learning how to follow Jesus together. We need to be making disciples. Now, you realize that if we lose sight of making disciples, then we can make a whole lot of other things really, really important. Right? That's what mission creep is. If we lose sight of our only job is to connect people with Jesus, then we start to say, if it's not about that, then it's about me getting the things that I want. 
Now, you guys realize that in every church, not everybody gets what they want, right? Nobody gets everything that they want. And I'm, I'm the lead pastor. I don't get everything that I want. I sit in meetings, we discuss things, and be like, oh, no, they're right. Even though I want this other thing, that's not right. It won't help maximize us making disciples. So making disciples is the driving. We need to connect people with Jesus. And that's what we do. Now, discipleship happens first with a decision. That's why, and I want to thank you once again, for those of you who are here at Crosses all the time, we always give an opportunity for people to commit their lives and make a decision for Jesus. Now, I realize if you've been born again for any length of time, that adds an extra five minutes before you can go get your coffee or go get your lunch. And I realize that. But nobody can become a disciple unless they make a decision to be a follower of Jesus. And we don't want to make the mistake ever of not giving somebody an opportunity to do that. So I want to thank you for the five, ten minute grace period that you give so that God can birth new life. And I also want to thank you for being prayerful in that time that God would do what he wants to do. Because it takes a whole church to birth new life by the Spirit. Takes a whole, it doesn't take a pastor. Jesus draws people. But we all join that together. So thank you. And if, listen, if you're here, you've never made a decision to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to do that today. And you need to make that decision because nobody ever becomes a follower of Jesus without first saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. It begins with a decision. And then it's a lifetime process of following. So we are a disciple-making organization or an organism. Our job is to make disciples. And not only us as a church, but each one of us individually. How are you doing making disciples? How are you doing connecting people to Jesus through your own life? How are you doing saying, look, I'm following Jesus. Why don't you come follow Jesus alongside me? Because we all know what, it, what it's like when you watch people start to connect with Jesus through your life. How fulfilling that is, isn't it? You start realizing, not only am I taking, helping them in the here and now, but I'm making eternal impact on somebody's life. That's a powerful reality. We make disciples. Now, we do it by going. We do it by going. Now, you know what the beauty of going is? Is that we're all always going, aren't we? Everywhere you go, there you are. It's pretty deep, right? I was excited to drop that one on you. Wherever you go, there you are, and you are always going. So when you're going to the grocery store, make disciples. When you go to the soccer field, make disciples. When you go work in the yard, subdue the earth and make disciples of your neighbors. Everything that you do, you are going. And everywhere we go, there we are. And if we're there and we're on mission with Jesus, we're supposed to be making disciples. So use your Facebook, use your Twitter, use your, maybe you like to write letters to people, you know, uh, old school style, the thing called paper and a pen. It still works. Make disciples. See, this is what happens. And, and listen, we're coming out of a season where the political brilliance of Karl Rove got the church to be more focused on making Republicans than followers of Jesus. Now listen, you have your political views and I want you to have them, but you better be more concerned with seeing people get saved 
than seeing the next president get elected. Jesus has to be the priority over those things. And those things are important. I'm not saying that they're, I'm not trying to diminish them. I'm just saying that can't be the main thing. And lots of churches have gotten focused on being political action groups rather than being the church of the true and living God. And this is important. Everywhere you go, don't let your life be consumed by trying to change someone's opinion or win an argument. We are making a disciple. And so often, you guys know this, the people who've had the greatest impact on your life, is it ever through anger? No, it's not. Because the wrath of man never produces the righteousness of God, it says in the Bible. But what? It's the goodness of the Lord that leads a person to repentance. That's what the Bible teaches. So God's love needs to flow through us. And if we disagree with them politically, you say, look, I do this all the time. I'm like, look, so if you want to talk politics, we're probably going to disagree, but can we just make a decision that we're not going to fight about it? We'll just talk about it. Because I love you more than I don't like the fact that we disagree on our politics. I, I put that out there up front because I know that once you start talking politics, what happens? Everybody gets angry. So I'm like, look, I don't want to fight about this. We can talk about it, but let's, I love you. I do not want to fight with you. We'll talk about it. And believe me, I, I have a lot of heated political discussions. I mean, I'm under 40 and I, and I believe in traditional marriage. I mean, that puts me in the lower 2%. You know what I mean? And so all my friends are like, I can't believe you would believe that. But you don't want to make the politics what's important. You want to make Jesus. He's what's important because it doesn't matter what your political views are. If you come to Jesus, he'll forgive you. <laughs> and that's on both sides of the aisle. If you come to Jesus, you are forgiven and God loves you so much, he won't keep you that way either. I mean, that's the gospel. So wherever you go, there you are. And as you're going, make disciples. Everybody has a different set of gifts. Some people are like, I feel God's pleasure when I am breaking my back on second Saturday. Not that it's back-breaking work. But it's like when you know, some people are like, when you're out there in the community shoveling something or doing something, you're like, I feel God's pleasure then. Other people are like, I feel God's pleasure when I'm praying during the service. There's a group of people who pray straight through the services. Lord, will you bless the people who are sick? Think about that. Right now, you're being prayed for. Everyone listening online being prayed for by people right now. See, everybody's got a different sweet spot. We want to just find everyone in their sweet spot with the Lord. Because we realize that as you're going, God uses all of us in unique ways. There's so many opportunities. So we go. We go to everyone, everywhere, at every moment. That's what we're doing. We're making disciples because we're always going to everyone, locally, regionally, nationally, globally, everywhere, without distinction. That's the job of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, you know what the hardest thing is, though, for us? All of us are called different places, and it's hard not for it to come apart at the seams because everyone values their sweet spot more than everybody else's. I would say that's the hardest part of church is that the people who are passionate about global ministry and then the people who are passionate about local ministry, they're like, oh, this one's more important. No, they're both equally important. I'm passionate about kids. I'm passionate about teens. I'm passionate about... People who are retired, I'm past. Everybody's important to the Lord in every single culture. So if you're a global-minded person, praise God. If you're local, praise God. If it's about 
infants, toddlers, elementary school age, students, young adults, younger than younger or older than young adults, whatever the stratus of what you feel called to, it's all important and one should never take priority over the rest. But the key is for all of us to be going and making disciples. Not only that, we go, we baptize. I like this. Notice, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That is making a public declaration that you have committed your life to the death you go under the water and resurrection you come out of the water of Jesus Christ. And you do it in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You need to get baptized. Because that's part of our mission. We baptize people. We say, look, we preach Jesus, his perfect life, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. We preach that he ascended or descended from the Father and he ascended back to the Father and they sent forth the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Now, I know someone's going to say, oh, there it is, church, Trinity. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Do you know why theologians use non-biblical words to explain biblical concepts, because the arguments about these things are about the meaning of biblical words, and sometimes you need to pull in non-biblical words to help clarify the meaning. The Bible reveals to us one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, and we believe in them, because if it's only the Father, or if it's whatever, then why are we baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? See, it's like you read these things and people, the church has been splitting in a million places for thousands of years over things like this. Why would Jesus say, look, you baptize in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if it's only Jehovah? Or if some churches, only the Holy Spirit. It's like everything, or some churches, Jesus only. No, it's all three of them. They're one God. There's only one God who reveals himself to humanity, his Father, Son, and Spirit. And we baptize in his name. So if you come to one of our baptisms, we baptize you. Guess what we say? In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then we bury you. We never wait for bubbles either, just so you know. Don't be scared. There's always that joke. Someone always, every baptism, someone says, Pastor Dan, you got to hold me down for a while. And if they're married, their spouse is like. We never do that. You could do that at home in the bathtub. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Don't, don't, I'm just kidding. We invite people to follow Jesus as we're going. And then once they do it, we say, look, we're going to baptize you. Why? Because that is a public declaration to the world, an outer declaration of an inner work. Then third, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Now, this is amazing. Jesus says, look, I want you to make disciples. You do it by going, by baptizing, and by teaching. Teaching. See, Jesus taught us things. And our job as a church is to teach people the things that Jesus has taught us. And I think it's important. Are we just teaching that we have information? No. Teaching them to observe all those things that I have commanded you. See, Christianity is not merely a set of beliefs we subscribe to. It is an all-pervading worldview and lifestyle. You get that, right? So often people say, you just need to believe these five things and then you're good. It doesn't matter how you live. No, if you believe these things, that's actually going to play out in our lifestyle. And God actually cares about our witness. Now, does anybody get saved by works? What's the answer? 
No, we get saved unto works. What it means is, if you fail today, it doesn't mean that you're not saved. It just means you're not actually living in accordance with who you are. None of us are going to do everything right so that we are right with God. That's impossible because we have already failed in a million ways. That's the gospel, is that nobody can do everything right before the Lord except for Jesus. And that's why he was a worthy sacrifice. And that's why he was resurrected from the grave, because he wasn't deserving of being there. But for you and I, we do not do good things to get saved. We do them because we are saved. Because we believe in Jesus, now we serve the poor. Now we serve our neighbors. Now we forgive people who have wronged us. And we go and say, listen, man, you really hurt my feelings. And I was going to hold it against you for the rest of your life. And you wouldn't even know it. But now I'm going to talk to you about it because I want and believe in relationships. See, we do it because of Jesus. We don't do it to get saved. We do it because we're saved. And we need to live out, put the hands and feet of Jesus on our lives. I really believe that for many of us, we just need to go back and start reading the Gospels again. Everything you see Jesus do, you need to do the same thing. When Jesus says, hey, I want you to love your enemy, we should just try that. When Jesus says, I want you to pray for those people who say mean things about you, we think we should try that. When Jesus says, listen, oh, there's poor people, feed them. We should try that. See, what happens is, is we know he says these things, but we don't choose to observe them, to live them out. And I believe that that's one of the biggest things that we're missing all the time. And I, I say we, including me. We don't just want to learn the sayings of Jesus. We want to live the reality of those sayings. And in each one of our lives, there are places that God wants to grow us up. And I want to encourage you to take a step of faith. So the work of the church, we make disciples by going, by baptizing, and by teaching. And look at how this closes here. The end of verse 20, it says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. This last little phrase, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to say it to you this way. Always expect Jesus. Always expect Jesus. When he says, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age, he's saying, look, no matter where you go in my name, no matter what you do for me, no matter where you find yourself, you should always expect me to be there with you. And I'm here to tell you that this reality to me is so huge because Jesus never promised us life would be easy. He always promised us that he'd be with us no matter where we go. And I think this is important because I think for some of us, it's so easy to get frustrated at God that Everything just didn't work out the way we thought it would. Right? It's like, okay, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to give you my life. And all these things are going to happen. And half of those things don't happen. And the other half of those things don't happen even close. And goes the exact opposite. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel went through what it means to be baptized. A public declaration in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The third commission we heard was to teach, to teach new believers what it means to really follow God. 
We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real Radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Hey, everybody. Pastor Daniel Fusco here of Jesus is Real Radio. I got some special news. I'm so stoked. My new book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available on pre-order right now. You might say, why'd you write the book, Daniel? Well, simply because this. Life is messy, but Jesus is real. And we need to talk honestly about both sides of that coin. So get the book now. It's available on pre-order at honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold. I can't wait for you to read it. God bless you. Now, the next time you join us here on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about what it means for a person to make a profession of faith and be baptized. If you're already a believer, you can be used by Jesus in other people's lives. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled This Just Got Real next time. Until then, may God bless. Jesus is real.